Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the, sh- on the uh, Goodyear hotline. Right, so you have to keep getting used to that. In the old days, it was a different hotline. Now it's the Goodyear hotline. Our thanks to Goodyear for partnering with us and being a part of this. And we'll continue to get that right. And we'll bring Brian Greasy into the conversation in about a half hour. Hembo's here. Bubba's here. Lots to do today. If you missed it, we started with the mock draft with the McBoard. And I'll tell you the two things about it you need to know. First, you can go to ESPN Plus. You can read the whole thing. But he's got the four quarterbacks going one, two, three, and four, which, if it happens, has never happened before. There's one reason why it might. And the reason is next year's class projects to not have a lot of good quarterbacks. In fact, there's only one who right now figures to be a first-round pick. So a lot of teams out there might be more desperate than usual. Take, for example, the Falcons who are picking at four. They might want one more year with Matt Ryan, but they'll think to themselves, next year there's not a player as good as Justin Fields going to be in this draft, in that draft, so I'm taking the kid when I can get him now. So that's the one thing you should know. That's why you might see more teams desperate this year to get quarterbacks than usual. The other thing worth paying attention to on the McBoard and the mock draft is not what teams are taking whom, because all that is going to change based upon free agency. Todd doesn't know where Deshaun Watson's going to go any more than you or I do. He's not pretending he does. But here's what's important. Look at the order in which he places them. That's what matters. Trevor Lawrence, number one, foregone conclusion. Zach Wilson, number two, currently to the Jets. I told you weeks ago, he's going to go number two. The Jets will either take him or they'll trade the pick to someone who will. I asked McShay on television this morning how firmly in that second spot is Zach Wilson. He said firmly. That parenthetically is very good news for the Jets. That drives up the value of that asset. The most valuable asset in the draft, obviously, is the number one pick that belongs to Jacksonville, and it is Trevor Lawrence. It is very valuable because you get him, but if you don't trade it, it's not really an asset. It just becomes Trevor Lawrence. The asset is the second pick now. You can do something with that. You can do a lot with it if you want to. Then he has Trey Lance, the kid from North Dakota State, at three amongst these picks. Justin Fields falling all the way to the fourth best quarterback off the board. And Mac Jones, fifth. He hasn't projected in a trade to the Bears at 12. So let's see how all of that winds up playing itself out as we work our way towards it. But that's the latest from McShay. And as I mentioned, it is up right now on ESPN+. I am Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Time for the list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right, so here's today's, the subject of today's Green List, which again is my top five, chosen exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. And with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers breaking this title drought with their championship the other day, they had won their last title in January of 2003. I used that as the line of demarcation. And I'm listing the five teams I think are most likely to be the next one to break a long title drought. And again, that's my definition of long. Nine years is not long enough. It has to be at least as long as the Buccaneers just went without a championship. So basically, 18 years is the line of demarcation. Here are the next five teams that I believe will bust through that. Number five. Number five, I'm putting the New York Mets. Which is going to give, this is for any sport, by the way. I should, have pref, I should have prefaced it, not just football. The New York Mets, who among other things, have an owner now who has all the money in the world to spend. He's already proven that by going out and getting Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco and James McCann. They have great pitching with DeGrom, obviously, who is the best pitcher in baseball. 
and Marcus Stroman, and they've got Carrasco, and Noah Syndergaard will be back. They have Pete Alonso and a bunch of other hitting, and I believe they are looking to make the kind of splash that if they are in this thing, they will be aggressive buyers with their new owner. Now, the biggest Met fan, I, well, not the biggest, but among the big Met fans that I know is Bubba, whom you know as the disheveled border operator on this program. Bubba, how confident do you feel that this will be the first time in your lifetime that the New York Mets win the World Series? Feeling uh, feeling pretty confident. I'm a little concerned they have them fifth. I just assume you're doing it in reverse order there to start. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm assuming they're your real number one. But, yeah, we got Steve, we got Jacob, we're ready to go, and uh, I expect to be in the Queens come October. They are number five. Number four. Number four, we go to the NBA and the Philadelphia 76ers, who last won the championship in 1983, the legendary Fo-Fo-Fo Sixers. And one of the reasons I think this team could do it is coaching, and that is Doc Rivers. And while I know he hasn't won a title since Boston, and I know that there was a little bit of him being maligned towards the end in L.A., Doc's a great coach, and he knows how to win. And he's getting the most out of Joel Embiid, who is having an MVP season. He's averaging 29-10. and 10. If he stays healthy, he is as important a piece as there is in the NBA's Eastern Conference, inclusive of everyone. So I like them. They've got Tobias Harris playing better. Simmons will do his thing. I've always been worried about that combination of the two of them, but I like it now. I give the Sixers a puncher's chance of coming out of the East, and if they do, there's something about Embiid I like in that spot against Anthony Davis and the Lakers. So I have the Sixers, the fourth likeliest team currently in sports to break a long title draft. Number three. Number three are the Cleveland Browns. That's right, Cleveland go crazy. Hello, Cleveland. I love them. The Browns have completely won me over. And you know who did it mostly? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is proof of what happens when you get the right coach and the right system. He played great. I'm very impressed. I think he's ready to do it. Kevin Stefanski is an outstanding coach. Miles Garrett is as good a defensive player as there is in the league, whose name isn't Aaron Donald. Mayfield looks sensational. The two-headed running attack. Give me another piece or two on defense. They were only a play or two away from knocking off Kansas City, albeit with an injured Mahomes in the playoffs. When you're looking at a team to take one more step, the Browns, I think, are ready to do it. They haven't won a championship since 1964. They've never won the Super Bowl. I think they have a puncher's chance. I put them three on my list of teams ready to break a draft. Number two. Number two of the Rams. I've already told you that I believe the Rams are going to, they are my favorite to win the NFC next year. Because Matthew Stafford is one of two things. He's either a good quarterback who's always been on bad teams, or he's a great quarterback who's always been on bad teams. And I would bet he's the second. I believe they were exactly Matt Stafford away from going to the Super Bowl. I'm also reading story after story about how all these players are texting Stafford and saying, bring me with you. I want to come to L.A. You want to come play for Sean McVay. You want to come play with Matt Stafford. You want to play with Aaron Donald. You want to play with Jalen Ramsey. The Rams are my pick to win the NFC next year. They are the second likeliest team to break a long title drought. Number one. They can only be number one or only one number one, and that is the Brooklyn Nets. And the Brooklyn Nets right now probably feel like the second most likely team to win the NBA championship this year. And that championship will be decided before any of the others we're talking about. And there are three reasons why they might win it. And their names are Durant, Harden, and Irving. It's just not that complicated. They figure to be, if they get to the playoffs healthy, they figure to be, I think, the team to beat to get to the finals. 
with with and I gave you the Sixers earlier, and obviously the Bucks would fit in this category as well. And we'll see what anybody else in the East becomes. But at the end of the day, my money is on the team that's got the three best players, and that team has the three best players. So am I picking the Nets to win the championship this year? No. But they would be among my top three. And thus, especially since this title will be decided before any other title is decided, I have the Brooklyn Nets as the likeliest team to break a drought. They have never won an NBA championship. The last time they won a title was the ABA and Dr. J was playing with a red, white, and blue ball. Coming up next, unsolicited advice that will make both of us a bunch of money. That's on the way. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. All right, I'm Greeny. We are presented here by Progressive Insurance, and my guests, like Brian Greasy, in 15 minutes will be on the Goodyear hotline. But I, we, we have breaking news, and I can't decide if it's important or not. Here's the deal. So Shefty tweeted, now six minutes ago, Texans president Jamie Roots is resigning from his position effective today per sources. That's Shefty talking about the president of the Houston Texans, someone I've never heard of named Jamie Roots. So my first and everyone's first reaction is, well, what does this mean as far as Deshaun is concerned? Shefty then added to that tweet. Jamie Roots was, as the Texans described him, one of Houston's leading executives for more than two decades, responsible for all business functions of the club. And today he resigned. So that doesn't sound to me like he's in any way. He's not in the football side of this. So it does not sound as though it is necessarily going to have any impact one way or another on Deshaun. So we reached out to Shefty, and we'll just see if he has a a quick thought on that. But if I'm reading that correctly, this may be more a function of he is there. All right, just super quick. Shefty, as always, thank you for being there whenever I need you, my man. And look, everyone on the planet is going to read this tweet about the Texans president resigning and ask the question, what what impact, if any, does it have on Deshaun Watson? So we're asking it to you. I think it's a reflection of where the organization is at this point in time, which is a reflection of what Deshaun Watson is feeling. And that really may be the simplest way of breaking this down. Look, there are people there that are aligned with the old guard and the new guard. And the old guard was pre-Jack Easterby, Nick Casario, David Culley. Those are the new people. They want their people in. 
And so they are basically all the old people that were there and jettisoning them. And the last week, as an example, really, when we look at this and take a long, hard look at it, uh, the Texans dismissed their director of football administration, who was in charge of their salary cap. They dismissed their equipment manager, Mike Parson, who was close with Deshaun Watson, along with his staff. They got rid of their director of practice, facility development, and special projects, Doug West. Basically, they are taking a bulldozer to anyone that was there, and they are remaking it with their people. And their people don't sit well with Deshaun Watson. So it, it's more of a symptom as opposed to the the disease, if you will. And and so I guess I would I would let it's, it's excellent. Um, it's an, it's an excellent illustration of exactly what it is we're talking about. So I guess I would ask you because I have you. Uh, I assume nothing has changed. I, I, I we understand Deshaun still wants out, but the organization continues to hold on to this stance that they're not going to trade him no matter what. So where does this go from here, Shefty? Well, let me say this again. There are a lot of people that want out of there. Okay? Deshaun Watson wants out of there. The president of the team, Jamie Roots, wanted out of there. Mm-hmm. There's a clear message that's coming from there with people who are there. They want out. Now, the people who are new, they don't. David Cole will tell you what a great organization is. Nick Casario will tell you what a great organization it is. But if they're being honest, they're wondering what the hell is going on here. Hmm if they're being honest because everybody else is that that's it is it is a crazy situation Shefty you're the best thank you so much for being there we just called thank him you. thank you Shefty we we just called him up uh, because we saw the tweet and we wanted to get the latest and and you wind up getting that kind of of depth of analysis because he knows this stuff again I'm the Shefty whisperer he knows this stuff he he would never say that stuff if the reality was didn't actually sound a million times mm-hmm. worse. Like he's not, Shefty does not go at this stuff to try and make people sound bad. He's the last person in the world who does that. It's just not his style. So if Shefty is saying people want out, people are fleeing from that organization, then the truth is really bad, really bad. And I think if you're a fan right now, well, if you're a fan in Houston or of that team, then obviously that's a big deal for a lot of reasons. But for most of the, for everyone else who just cares about football, this is important because of the impact that it has on Deshaun Watson. They've got themselves as just a standoff, right? So the organization is saying, we're not trading him, which, as I told you yesterday, that's what I would say, too, even if I knew I was going to have to trade him. Your first stance is always, I'm not going to trade you. Like if I'm negotiating, if Hembo, you and I are negotiating something and you say, I want a million dollars, I would say, well, I'm going to pay you four dollars. <laughs> Even though I know I'm going to pay you a lot more than $4. I'm going to start at $4, and then we'll see where we wind up. Right. But yeah, that's my way of telling you, well, I'm not giving you a million dollars, so we'll see, if, we'll see how, where we start at 4 and go from there. And that, I think, is what the Texans are doing now, and it's the right thing to do. We're starting at, no, you can't have them. So I'm calling up, ring, ring, hello, I guess, uh, hi, Nick, I'm interested in trading for Deshaun Watson. You can't have them. Click. That's how you start. You don't start by setting a price. You start by saying you can't have my most valuable asset because you know your asset is so valuable that that call's coming back. You don't run any risk of that phone not ringing again. The phone is going to ring, and everyone in the league is going to call it. 
And eventually, eventually one of them is going to say, hold on, before you hang up on me, let me tell you that I will give you three ones and a pro bowler. And now all of a sudden, you know where it begins. So that's how you do this if you're them. And Nick Kazaria, who they just hired, I have no idea if he's going to be great or terrible. He's walked into the worst situation I could ever imagine, but he's no dummy. He knows what he's doing. So that's why he's saying that. But as I told you yesterday, they've already traded Deshaun Watson and they know it. They just don't know what they're going to get for him. So they're setting the price at you can't have him. And then eventually they'll settle at whatever the best they can get is. And then the rest of it, this business now, the team president who's in charge of business stuff is resigning effective today. Boy, that is a mess. It is, it's, they have hit the Titanic. And right now they're just starting to, they haven't gotten anywhere near the bottom. You love that movie. I, I hate the movie Titanic. It is the, that movie went on forever, and the ending is horrific. <laughs> Everything about that, I hate that movie. I hate the movie Titanic. But I digress. The Texans are now the Titanic. Okay? They've hit the iceberg. Deshaun Watson is sitting there in a boat just waiting for a paddle. What direction do you want me to go in here, guys? I'll go anywhere you want, but I'm not staying here. And he might take a whole bunch of people with him. All right, Brian Greasy will join me as we continue next. We are busy here. What a day. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning? Noise-canceling headphones? Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash greenie all lowercase go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash greenie this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Rolling along, this is Greeny. As every day, I am live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Brian Greasy, our Monday Night Football analyst extraordinaire, will join me live in exactly 30 seconds. I will spend this half minute 
reminding you that the most romantic day of the year is upon us, and you need to go to 1-800-Flowers.com right now if you have not yet ordered roses for that person in your life. 1-800-Flowers is a last-minute offer for my listeners. You can get 24 multicolored roses for just $34.99, or you can upgrade to 24 red roses for just $10 more. These are selling fast. You have to order right now. To order 24 multicolored roses for just $34.99, or upgrade to 24 red roses for only $10 more, you go to 1-800-Flowers.com. You click the radio icon. You enter my name, Greeny, as the code. That's 1-800-Flowers.com. The code is Greeny. Hurry, because the offer expires today. And with that said, it is my delight to welcome in for the first time in far too long, Brian Greasy is with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Brian Greasy. Great to be with you, Greeny. How are you? Well, I'm fine. And, and I, so I'm just looking some stuff over here. And here's how, here's how ridiculous this is. You played at Michigan for two years at the same time that Tom Brady, Tom Brady and you were on the same team at Michigan for two years. You retired in 2008 from the NFL and he just won the Super Bowl. I mean, what the actual heck? <laughs> it's all that avocado ice cream. You know? <laughs> I, it's, it's funny. I was, I was actually calling the, uh, the Super Bowl for ESPN international with Steve Levy. And we were going back and forth on this, on this main topic. And, uh, it was about how he was continuing to do this. And we, we started talking about the avocado ice cream. Incidentally, I said that, you know, Levy should actually try maybe uh, some Vegemite on toast. That might be good for his, <laughs> for his diet. That's big in Australia where we were broadcasting the game. Um, but, yeah, you know, two years with Tom at, at Michigan. And, um, you know, I talked with him uh, this past week, and we actually texted back and forth. And there is no end in sight for this man. That might be the most scariest thing of all. It's insane. And again, I so enjoyed you and Steve and Lewis this year. You guys did a terrific job on the games on Monday nights. And, and, and the other thing that sort of ties to your career is that your first year in the NFL, you were in Denver in what was John Elway's last year. And of course, you guys won the Super Bowl and, and all of that. And Terrell Davis was the star uh, at that point. And, but, but Elway played great that year and in, including in the Super Bowl. But what do you remember of that? Like what was Elway then? relative to physically and all the rest of that relative to what Brady is now. I think it was, it was night and day. I mean, John, uh, we all know the, the physical attributes that John had, uh, the ability to extend plays and run around the big arm. A lot of what we see from Patrick Mahomes now was John Elway 20 years ago. Um, but his body had, had declined over time. Uh, the leadership was still there. A lot of the arm strength was still there, Greeny, but his ability to extend plays um, just kind of declined as he got past age 35. And then we pick up, you know, a running game in Terrell Davis and and uh, and a defense that played a big part in the first, you know, Super Bowl win against Green Bay. Um, but you know, John, his knees were were he couldn't practice a whole lot. Um, and in that Super Bowl, that second Super Bowl year, people might remember he missed three or four games and Bubby Brister came in and played. Um, so it was pretty clear that John, if he was going to win that, that Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons, that, that it was a good chance that it would be his last game. And that's what turned out happening. Yeah, he played just he started only 12 games that year, but then he did play great in the, in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, as I recall, and won it. But again, he was 38 so Brady is five years older than that, and he's still doing it. It It is bordering on ridiculous. All right, one more thing I want to ask you before we get to other stuff about the Super Bowl. Is that, here we are, you know, it's Wednesday. I never know what the etiquette is on when you stop asking questions about the Super Bowl. It's like, it's like, when do you stop saying Happy New Year's? 
You know what I mean? Like, like when, what's the day? Like, I don't know what the day is that I stop asking questions about the game, but, but you broadcast it as, as you mentioned for international and it still kind of bothers me that Kansas city never tried anything different in that game against that defense, that, that, taking the check down, running the football with Edwards Alaire, which the little bit they did, it did seem to be working. It feels to me like they could have changed the game and they were either too obstinate or, or I don't know what it was, but they just refused to do it. How did you see that? Well, I think the first thing that happened was Todd Bowles made the adjustment, right? We've talked ad nauseum about that and the X's and O's of that. Um, but while I was watching the game, Greeny, we're all expecting these you know, explosive plays from Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And I'm watching the game, and I'm watching you know, the All-22. I'm watching the game live, and I'm watching Tyreek Hill run down the middle of the field over and over and over again. And there's two safeties sitting back there, and, and there's nowhere for Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball to Tyreek Hill. And I'm thinking to myself, Tyreek Hill's going to be gassed by mm-hmm. the end of the first half of this game. He's just running, and he knows when he comes off the line of scrimmage, he's not going to get the ball. So as a receiver, that's frustrating. And it takes a lot of energy to run that fast down the middle of the field. Um, But, you know, everybody could say, where were the more explosive plays? They just were not going to be given up by Todd Bowles. Now, you could argue that when they play two deep safeties and man-to-man underneath, that's when you have to run horizontal, not vertical. And if you're able to run horizontal and get some picks – now you get the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands, and he has an opportunity to make a play with. That's what I think Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy failed to do enough, especially in the first half. Um, the other piece that I think people aren't talking enough about is that end of half sequence with Steve, Steve Spagnolo. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are saying, "Well, Kansas City shouldn't have called that timeout." I think they absolutely w- were correct in calling the timeout because. Tampa Bay and Tom Brady had no designs on pushing the ball down the field before half. They were up 14-6. Their whole philosophy was to shorten the game. And they run the ball on first down, and Andy Reid calls a timeout. Just under a minute left, fine. What happened was, okay, then Tom Brady says, all right, well, we have to get a first down because we can't give the ball back to Mahomes. So they throw the ball, get a first down, and right after they get that first down, they go to the line of scrimmage. And Tom Brady says, I'm going to call a deep route to Mike Evans, and I'm just going to take a shot. And Spagnolo did not go through that piece of, of advice before the game. They didn't prepare for that situational football. And they got caught in man coverage, and that turned out to be, in my opinion, the difference in the game going down 21-6 before half instead of 14-6 when Tampa Bay had no designs on trying to push the ball in that scenario. Yes, the big play in that, obviously, is is the one you're talking about. But it wasn't a reception. It was an interference call. Did you think it was good? There were a lot of complaints about the officiating in the first half. What did you think of it? I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a problem with that. In fact, we had John Perry on our broadcast as well. We've had him all year, two-time Super Bowl official. Uh, and I asked John, I said, was that ball catchable? And John said, listen, that ball was catchable. You can't determine if Mike Evans, if he continued to run, whether he would run under that ball mm-hmm. in stride. He was, he was knocked down by the, by the defensive back. As soon as that happened, any official is going to throw the flag.
Okay, Greeny and, and Brian Greasy, who's with me here. So that's let, we'll make that the last Super Bowl conversation I have. My, my, I'm, I'm now deciding the Wednesday of the week after the Super Bowl is the last day to analyze the game, and we can talk about other things. So the, the, the quarterback carousel this offseason, Brian, is going to be unbelievable. We've already seen the first big move made with Stafford going to the Rams, traded for Goff and everything else. And now we're waiting on Wentz. So as you see Carson Wentz right now, he's a player who obviously has exhibited that he has a great deal of talent, but things have gone very much sideways for him. What do you feel like is a good next step for him to become the player that at his very best he could be? Well, the next step for him is very clear. It's to to get a fresh scenery, to get out of Philadelphia. And uh, I'm not a big fan of the way this is going down. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the way that the front office uh, and Howie Roseman and and Jeffrey Lurie are handling this situation. Um, But be that as it may, I'm not, we're not here to talk about that. I'm talking about the future of Carson Wentz. Uh, He needs to get a fresh uh, set. He needs to get out of Philadelphia and and have somebody that, and a fan base that's going to give him a chance. That has to be first. Then I separate the skill sets of Carson Wentz and the mentality of Carson Wentz. The, the mentality needs to be rehabilitated. I don't think there's any question about that. I think the talent is there. Uh, so if I look at places that he could potentially go, who's going to be the best at rehabilitating his psyche? Um, and who's going to have the pieces around him to allow him to do that? You know, if you go to Chicago, well, you know, Chicago's offensive line was, was no great shakes last year. And if you're going to put him back in the same situation he was in Philadelphia without a lot of playmakers – um, I'm not sure that's a good idea. Now, Indianapolis, everybody, and I, I agree, seems like a natural fit for him with his former coach, an offensive line. It's unbelievable. They run the football and have great defense. So those two, those two are on opposite ends of the spectrum, one of which I think would be great, one of which I think would be a big risk. I think he needs structure, and he doesn't need to be uh, the guy that everybody is putting all their chips behind. He needs to be part of the solution, not the solution. I'm so you, – you just said exactly the point that we were making earlier today. Savior is not a good role for Carson Wentz right now. Right. Maybe someday. Maybe someday he can get back to that. But right now he needs to go into a plug-and-play, you know, just-add-water situation, which Indy is. Chicago is a, bad, is a bad spot for him, Brian. I'll give you one other reason, I think, because that's a place where if it doesn't go well immediately, the coach is getting fired. So now there's right. all that pressure, which the coach feels, the fan base feels, the whole team feels. And now all of a sudden you're there and the coach has gotten fired and someone new comes in. So like everything about that situation feels wrong to me. So I completely agree with you. You know, I think San Francisco is another one that, that should kick the tires. Um, you know, the Denver Broncos, uh, another one. Um, you know, some, some of these the Shanahan tree of offensive coordinators. I know he, he, he was with Frank Reich, and that was a different system, and I get that. But his skill set would marry well uh, with that Shanahan tree of the stretch run game and good defense and then the bootlegs off of it because of his, his mobility. Um, I think that would be a, a, another place that I would look if I were Carson Wentz. Oh, there's going to be a bunch of moves out there. They're going to be breaking moves. Breaking moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports. And Brian Greasy, it is a pleasure catching up with you here. Thank you for taking some time to do Let's do this more regularly because I enjoy it and have a good off season and we will talk soon. Thanks, Greeny. Really appreciate it. And uh, anytime you want, pal. All right, real good. We'll be in touch. Thank you very much. That's Brian Greasy. I really enjoyed 
he and Lewis and, and Steve Levy and the whole crew this year, I thought they did a great job on those games. Lewis is the best, um, you know, and, and I regret I'm only sorry he's coming back because I think that he should be the general manager of a football team somewhere. That would be our loss, but it would be the NFL's gain. But that said, we will take advantage of the situation while we have it. Um, and those guys will continue doing a terrific job on those games. OK, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, let's see, see where we're going to go next from here. OK, ne- next up. Sorry, I lost my place. Uh, sometimes, you know what? I'm quick to point out when Bubba screws things up. I'm, in fact, I love to point out when Bubba screws things Which is up. Fairly rare, I, you know. One man's rare is another man's pretty much daily. But okay, wow. But I'm I'm more than happy to point out when others screw up. So I will point the finger of blame at myself. I was looking up something about Brian Greasy, and so I was on the wrong page on my computer to remember that what I wanted to hit next was this: the scoop. Here's the scoop for today. This is something I find very interesting. 2021 has started with two championships that have been named so far. Two champions have been crowned, college football and the National Football League. And in both cases, the champions were the GOATs, and those GOATs continue to distance themselves from everybody else. Nick Saban was already the greatest college football coach ever. He just distanced himself. Tom Brady was already the greatest quarterback and greatest football player ever. He distanced himself. You don't need me to tell you that. That's obvious. Here's the part of it that I think is interesting. I don't think it's a coincidence. I do not believe it is a coincidence that during this unprecedented time, during a pandemic in which everything was just upside down, they they love to use the word distraction in football. Anything can be a distraction in football. You know, the, the, the running back gets, a, you know, a, a, a ticket for running a red light. This is a distraction to the football team. All of a sudden, we have a global pandemic. And so I do believe that there is something to be said for the greatness and the leadership of those two being even more valuable than they normally would be under these circumstances. I guess what I'm saying is some things can be a coincidence, but I'm not a big believer in coincidences. I'm a big believer that things happen determinately. Very few things happen in life by accident. You might might find five bucks on the street by accident, but that's not a good way to plan your finances. So for the most part, important things happen purposefully. They happen for reasons. And so in my opinion, it is not a coincidence that Alabama was head and shoulders the best team in college football this year because they have a leader who was unlike any other and was able to navigate that situation for himself, for his players, and for everyone else involved better than anybody else was. And I do not think is it a coincidence that Tom Brady, even though he comes to a team where they should all have been wearing name tags like like, like they were, you know, the, 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 the serving you at an Arby's, like a welcome I'm Tom, but at the same time, he knew. He knew how to do this. And the leadership and the greatness rose to the top. So I do not believe it's a coincidence. And I would point out, for whatever this is worth, when they went to the bubble in the NBA, LeBron won the championship. So I don't think these things are coincidental. I think these things all happen for a reason. And while that does not tell us anything about what the future holds, because I'd like to think the future is going to get a lot better relative to that. 
I don't know that by the time we get to September, for example, the world is going to feel exactly normal again. I don't know that everything in September of 2021 is going to be exactly like it was in September of 19. But I'd like to think it's going to be a lot closer to that than it was in September of 20. So I think the value of that leadership, while always extraordinarily important, I think that this past year it was more so than ever before. So I don't think it's a coincidence that if you look at three of our major sports, LeBron James won a championship, Nick Saban won the championship, Tom Brady won the championship. Bubba, what do you think of that? I think it's an astute point. I like where your head's at. <laughs> well, I cannot tell you how meaningful your validation is to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Bubba. Thank you, Bubba. That is that is wonderful. Hembo, any thoughts? Uh, first of all, very sound financial advice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely pick up on that. Yeah, because I was hoping to find five dollars on the way home today. That, that notwithstanding, though, I I do think you're right. When you talked to Tom Brady's father earlier this week, he talked about like the the process, right? The rigors. And this year, that was more tough. That was tougher than ever before by a long shot. And the fact that all three of those people were able to sift through the noise, if you will, does not surprise me at all. It's not a coincidence. A very astute point. Yeah, I, I, that, I found myself thinking about that this morning. I, I can't remember who it was that sent it. We have a terrific staff on this show, and people are sending in notes all the time. I think it was Nuno who put a note in there to me saying, you know, Saban and Brady, they both are the goats, and they both separate themselves even more. So what does the title mean? That's what got me thinking about this. And that's what got me to realize the more interesting question is, is that a coincidence? You know, to go back to the financial advice, a lot of things can happen by accident. You can't plan for those. And as a general rule, it is a terrible idea to try to. I've been around a little bit. So here's a little bit of advice for you, okay? Like, like, as I've told you many times, like most geniuses, mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long yeah, after, after its time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. That's exactly right, Charles Barkley. Thank you. My favorite line that Chris Rock ever used, and he's said a lot of not only really funny things, but a lot of really smart things. My favorite thing I ever heard Chris Rock say was, you can drive a car with your feet if you want to. That doesn't mean it's a good idea. And that is exactly how I would compare planning for accidents, fortuitous happenstance to take care of your life for you. Like the worst two reasons to do anything in life, in any field or endeavor, are A, this is the way we've always done it. This, if anyone ever answers a question, if you ask the question, why are we doing this? And the answer is, this is the way we've always done it. Leave. You don't want to be, not only don't you want to work there, you don't want to be a part of that conversation anymore. Because this is the, fa- the way we've always done it is the worst reason to do anything. So that's A. B, the worst way to handle a problem is to do nothing and hope it goes away by itself. Terrible advice, terrible idea. If anyone, if you ever have a problem and you go to someone for advice, someone whose counsel is valuable to you and you say, I've got this problem, and you describe it to them. You know, Hembo, you're a young man. Mm. You might come to me and say, Greeny, you've been around a little bit. I have this problem. What should I do? If I ever should respond, do nothing. Just sit on it. And hope it goes away by itself. (laughs) 
you should go find another show to okay, work on. I'll go ask Bubba. You, you want to go work on hashtag Bubba. I'll go ask Bubba. You want to work on hashtag Han, hashtag, you, you want to work with somebody else, but you don't want to work with me because that's a terrible way to do something. So the point I'm trying to make here, this is sort of a long drawn out way of bringing it up, is that I think the greatness of Nick Saban and Tom Brady have been underlined, underscored, and maybe even underappreciated in this process. Alabama didn't win a championship because they had better players than everybody else. They always have better players than everybody else. No one played them within, I think, three touchdowns this year. They were more ready than everybody else was. And that's because of the genius and the greatness and the leadership of their coach. And the same with the Buccaneers. We can talk all we want about how talented that football team is. They had one pro bowler. One. JPP's the only guy, had there been a pro bowl, who would have played in it. But they won the championship. Because leadership, intelligence, all those things are the most important quality of any successful endeavor in any field. And so, so far, those two have had it. All right, it's an interesting thought. Thank you so much for hanging out with me here today. Thank you to Tony Dungy, Brian Greasy, Hembo Bubba, and this crew. We will see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.